0: 360Ed TV is brought to you by Rice Studios and Agility. Professor David Sandler, Deputy Vice-Chancellor, Student in Education at University of Tasmania. You are most welcome to uh, 360Ed TV.
1: Very pleased to be here.
0: David. you and I were talking just before we started the interview, and I remember back in 2012, you wrote a, uh, a piece in the conversation about MOOCs, uh, and in particular, uh, a MOOC based around uh, the topic of dementia. Uh, and you talked about, in the conversation, the rise of online and uni sectors' response to this revolution. It was one of the first times that I actually heard um, university leadership, Talk about online in that particular way, certainly in the MOOC space, where it wasn't a simple branding exercise, but it was intimately tied to social need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you talked about how that could then be articulated into a course. As I said, that was moment in time. I hadn't heard that before. Um, and you reflected on the billion-dollar question uh, that you posed for Australian universities: How do we compete? with the world's most prestigious institutions in the MOOC space. I'd like to flip that slightly and say the MOOC or online space, fast-forwarding five yeah. years to today. Yeah,
1: okay. I'm very happy to talk about that because I yeah. think it's not been a uh, a linear journey. So uh, the first thing is, uh, in 2012, there was a lot of doom-ridden analysis of the, the threat of MOOCs because it was seen as if the, like the Amazon moment for higher mm. education. Um, and w- certainly we took stock of that and we, we thought of what would it mean for us with an obligation as the only university in the state to meet the educational aspirations of every Tasmanian and bring Tasmania to the world and the world to Tasmania. And so there didn't seem to be any point in offering Um, online or MOOCs, if you like, in areas where every university is broadly present, sort of basic economics, history, whatever. We thought that um, there probably would be three driving agendas for our MOOCs. So one would be um, we wanted our, uh, our MOOCs to actually speak to some of the big Global and social problems that impact in Tasmania. Uh, so there was a social imperative. Secondly, we wanted uh, the MOOCs to actually speak to the place of Tasmania, so that we we actually brought Tasmania to the world. Uh, and thirdly, and perhaps no differently to other u- universities, we we wanted to make sure that our MOOC strategy actually supported. Our brand mm. and our positioning mm. so we didn't go down the traditional insofar as anything's traditional over five years but the the route of one of the big platforms we actually had a, a very diverse diversified strategy of um, self development as well as using uh, other uh, externally provided platforms mm. but uh, understanding dementia was our first big foray um, that's now reached over 100,000 uh, people um, and it's had marvellous success. So um, I've s- spoken before about completion rates uh, of 45% which are just out of the box in terms of MOOCs. Oh, sorry, say that again. 45 45%. Um, and the reason for that is that it's something that clearly speaks to uh, a community need, uh, not yeah. just a Tasmanian, a global community need. So th- these are... Uh, either people caring for people who are suffering dementia, um, in many cases early sufferers themselves, as well as policy people. And they became and are a, a support network to each other. And so there's more than just a provision of information in that, in that uh, dementia MOOC. That has spun out another MOOC in terms of preventing dementia. And what we've seen there is we've been able to bring into the Tasmanian curriculum the world leading experts in, in terms of dementia. So now we've got people from uh, from the UK, from, from the US, from many, many countries actually contributing content into that uh, mm. preventing dementia MOOC. We've got other MOOCs. We've got one in um, an Oceanography in Antarctica. So again, it's a position of place. Yep. Uh, it's also uh, a MOOC that speaks to the challenges that confront um, the world, really, in terms of the Southern Ocean and Antarctica. And with um, Massey University in New Zealand, we've also developed uh, a MOOC that looks at uh, Indigenous Maori and Aboriginal um, uh, culture and, and societies. And of course, in Tasmania, um, that's a very, very um, pressing question because of the the awful history of, of, of Tasmania. Indeed, yes, absolutely. So um, I, I hope I've given you a taste of of the. If, if, like the strategy but then within that um, there's probably been two other elements um, we've used our MOOC practice to actually revolutionize pedagogy within the core teaching teams so it supported the broader blended and online development um, but secondly it's a revenue stream um, so many of the arguments that were made about MOOCs in 2012 is that they would take the business away from uh, universities We've brought business into university, into the university, so um, th- our Bachelor of Dementia Care is now our fourth largest um, degree programme. Okay. Um, and that's a direct flow through from the, from the MOOC.
0: So that's coming off a very small base to, to being that, that large. Yeah, within a couple of years, yeah. 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 So David, you've been speaking about improving student agency with blended uh, learning. Can you give us a sense of what you explore in this topic?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm i divided the topic into three um, unequal parts. So the first mm-hmm. is a an analysis of like the opportunities and challenges of connectedness, um, and the um, if you like the way in which we might communicate with a diverse um, range of students. The second looks at um, really the space that we've already spoken about which is the ubiquity of content uh, and the implications of, of that um, and what it's what it actually means both for students and for staff in the sense of uh, you know I was teaching yesterday d- does that mean now that I'm more the curator of material as opposed to the creator of material
0: there's been a strong yeah piece that's that's come out in a couple of... Yeah, and things, I think in open yeah.
1: educational resources, it's a really live yeah. question. And yeah. um, and it does bring, if you like, the best of the world into every classroom, mm. potentially. So, uh, And then the third, um, and it's an area that I think is probably least well-developed in both my thinking, um, but is becoming more and more important, is, if you like, the personalization of learning. And what does this mean for the individuals who actually experience our our blended and our distance operations. Mm. Um, and then I've put across that uh, uh, three lenses. So across the three topic areas, um, what does this mean for, for students? What does this mean for academic staff? And what does this mean for the university itself? And, and um, uh, the challenges are quite different in each of those three mm. spaces. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
0: Um, David how would you characterize the impact of cultural diversity on students experience with an attitude towards digital learning? Um, And what steps has UTAS taken towards mitigating those impacts?
1: Yeah, so um, So Tasmania is an interesting place to to Mm. ask that question. We're Mm. we're just over half a million people um, uh, Three-fifths of which are located in two cities Hobart and Launceston Uh, we have probably the highest ratio of our population in very dispersed areas. And so that makes questions of access to, to um, broadband, etc. cetera, quite challenging. Um, we also have a um, population um, where many are returning to study. So uh, a very much a growing popul- a proportion of our, of our student intake is mature. Um, and have already had some time in the work working environment. They're carrying um, caring responsibilities financial responsibilities um, and actually um, a way of reshaping your question is to say um, what is better than blended learning uh, than uh, offering out um, the capacity to study flexibly for that very constituency now yes there will be questions of uh, building confidence for those who have not had experience of that uh, of, of working uh, online uh, and yes there will be questions of access but there um, there, there are challenges for the institution essentially in terms of how to structure the support how to structure um, the leveraging of of partnership working to make sure that For example, there are facilities in some of the remote uh, Tasmanian towns. Um, But we know that we have to deal with a a student population that um, is not your typical year 12, 18 to 21 Mm. high ATAR. That is a proportion of our population, but it's not the majority of our population. And so um, I would like to spin the question and say um, in what sense is... Traditional face-to-face delivery actually appropriate to that broader diverse yeah. community.
0: And that's that's certainly the paradigm that you need to approach it from, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, um, and just on that, uh, when I talk to a lot of universities, uh, and certainly in the last few weeks, uh, conducting these and, and other interviews, there continues to be a significant focus on understanding the student experience and mapping hygiene factors that affect success. Yeah within the first you know, six weeks, a whole variety of things. Students' attitude towards distant learning environments were influenced by factors such as easy-use tools and materials and perceived inclusiveness, effective learning design, I guess. What are the critical factors that University of Tasmania has identified? And what strategies would you put in place to encourage a more positive student, I guess, attitude?
1: So I'm going to start with uh, an anecdote. Um, it's actually a true story. It's happened this morning. Okay. Um, uh, I go to, uh, despite my size, I go to the gym quite a bit. And I was in the UTS gym this morning um, after my gym session, getting changed. There were two students getting changed, and um, this exchange occurred. Uh, one student said um, that uh, he had really good uh, sort of allocation of classes for the new semester. And one of the things he really enjoyed was the fact that his breadth unit, and I'll talk to you about breadth units if you like, but his breadth unit was wholly online. Uh, the other student said, I don't like online. It uh, means I can't talk to the tutors. Uh, the first student said, well, actually, um, it means that you know I can dip in and out whenever I want. Um, and actually, the, the tutor's been very, very active on, on the online environment. And so I can get everything I need from him anyway. Uh, And it was a really interesting exchange, it's Mm. your question, put into real life. I kept silent. I didn't think it was worth intervening. It was uh, a good piece of social experimentation.
0: But what a great piece of
1: advertising if
0: you're student to student. That's that's a strong motivational tool, isn't it?
1: So one of the things we've done um, is, obviously we've done everything that every other university has done. We've, We've put... Um, strong um, embedded resources in to support academic staff we've um, uh, we've got a technology enhanced learning and teaching strategy that that sets targets and and where we want to get to but um, actually a really important piece of work and probably in in many respects the most important piece of work we've done is we have um, structured our internal student experience survey uh, to ask Um, the different cohorts of students, so the fully on campus, wholly face to face, the blended and the fully distant, Um, a series of questions which have allowed us over probably the last four or five years to examine the trends of of student satisfaction and what I can tell you um, uh, now is that we can say very very clearly that um, there is not a perception amongst students who are in the online environment, uh, either blended or fully, that teaching quality is less. In fact their rating of teaching quality is higher than the face-to-face students. Nor is there any um, uh, negative, Um, in fact again it's more positive for the online and the blended in access to learning resources. And I think that's one of the big democratizing aspects of online um, and interestingly and we were surprised by this um, access to student support is rated higher for our online and blended than it is our face-to-face really and that's now I can prove that over three four years of student surveys
0: so that's quite a uh, that's normally a place where yes universities will struggle to struggle to show a value proposition yes. there
1: yeah, um, and it would be true that there are other areas where um, the responses are less positive. Um, so things like um, opportunities for peer-peer conversations. Mm. Um, uh, but um, the example of the dementia MOOC does show that that is possible if you construct it the right way. Mm. So part, part of our um, strategy has been to... Uh, work with teams so that um, Blended is genuinely interactive rather than a passive trans- transmission of information. Mm. F- a question I've been asking everybody today, and uh, um, is the four-year degree dead? I hope not. Um, we've just launched <laughs> a whole new curriculum uh, with a new form of honours in it. Better not be then. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't believe it is. Yeah. Um, um, our evidence is... Um, Firstly, uh, we've got traditional kind of research honours. We've also got some embedded honours in engineering and law. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got professional and clinical honours. And actually, those numbers have been rising, um, less the traditional research honours. What this is demonstrating to us is if you get the value proposition right for students, and it's not just simply a stretching of the undergraduate degree into a further year, they do sign up Um, we've um, from 2018 bringing in a new applied honours which is um, uh, very much about working students working in teams often multidisciplinary teams uh, where they're actually out in the community they're out in industry um, and they're working on um, identifiable problems so um, the research project if you like is a a, a group-based exercise to resolve a a social problem I'll give you a a very practical example Um, in Hobart um, we have a significant problem with non-indigenous invasive plants and and, uh, Mm. uh, so what should be the both the scientific but also the policy setting to work with the local council for example in, in addressing that that problem that's an example That's not an actual project but it's an example of what could be done Um, and um, we've done some market research um, uh, with prospective future students um, uh, and that opportunity to add um, something to their CV which sets them apart from students who have just if you like got the bachelors which is kind of fairly universal um, uh, is very highly rated um, and it links to, if you like, the, the uniformly high um, uh, feedback we get around opportunities for work experience. So mm. we're also building that into all the courses. But, um, but the, the honours, the applied honours, is, if you like, the crystallisation of that structure.
0: Yeah. So I uh, was speaking with um, uh, Peter uh, Kilcoyne from Heart of Worcester mm-hmm. earlier today, and he was talking about uh, an apprenticeship bachelor's Okay. in the UK, where they were looking at having an embedding of um, work placement as a key component of the undergraduate yep. piece that they were doing the three-year degree. And uh, I said that I hadn't heard anything like that here in Australia, but what you just talked about certainly has significant components of what he was discussing.
1: Yeah, we're, we're approaching it um, not just simply around placement. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Uh, We've put a requirement in for all of our uh, courses um, from 2018 rolling out that um, there will be a minimum threshold in every course of authentic work-related experiences. Now, that could be placement, um, but pedagogically placement is probably at the um, furthest end. The back end. Yeah. yeah. Um, The problem-solving
0: based around real problems. Correct,
1: yeah, and having... um, industry input or employer input into the design um, coming into the classrooms uh, simulations there's a whole raft of of, uh, uh, initiatives and we think that um, well we did an audit of what actually exists already um, and uh, it was much more comprehensive than we were ever aware of um, much more comprehensive than we ever marketed Mm. Um, so Without having to do a single thing, we've got a much more attractive curriculum anyway. Wow. Um, But, of course, by setting um, this as an institutional strategy and target, um, we're getting uh, significant interest uh, from industry. Um, One bit you may not have picked up, we've launched a a parallel curriculum initiative, which is around a new form of um, two-year associate degrees. Um, now associate degrees exist yeah. in Australia yeah. Ours is quite different. Um, uh, they're designed um, with the explicit goal of students having an option to either go into um, or upskill in within a particular industry um, or um, have cognate programs that they will then get credit to, to, to go on to bachelor's. and they're designed for, uh, students who wouldn't normally have seen university as their trajectory um, we've got uh, five or six of these two of which have actually got students enrolled now yeah. um, agribusiness is one and applied business is the other um, the industry partners are actually providing not just placements and and um, uh, opportunities for students to visit and uh, engage in experiential learning. Mm. They're providing funding for scholarships, and it's a a new model um, uh, of education that we're applying to to the particular needs of Tasmania.
0: And I can see the way in which that's been structured specifically speaks to the, the, I guess, not uniquely, but specific Tasmanian student profile as well as they exit school, and, and they're looking for pathways into further. Yeah, that that would be true,
1: but actually um, that's probably at the moment a minority of the enrolments. The the, the enrolments at the moment seem to be uh, those who are currently working in a particular working environment where there is uh, incentive for them to upskill. And also those who have had a bit of a a time um, since... School and and now see the need to upskill uh, and to right. to get more qualification. Okay, um, I'm not sure it's just a model for Tasmania. Actually, I think this might be a model for Australia. But no, I um, could. Uh, yeah. I, I
0: think it has a lot to recommend it. Actually, yeah. uh, especially when you look at uh, if we think about the remoteness of so many communities in Australia, anyway, and you look at what what's happening with Charles Darwin, you look at UNE. I think having a different kind of approach to that that exactly. undergraduate scaffold yeah would be really interesting And the way in which you then wrap around tasks and assessment pieces and activities to support that
1: yes yeah, so they're, they're, of course these are all very yeah. much driven by yeah. um, new forms of pedagogy so there's, there's, you there's not an unseen exam anywhere near this kind of arrangement and it's yeah. um, it's portfolio it's it's um, experiential learning there is quite a lot of placement in there as well yeah. so yeah
0: that's brilliant yeah David it's been an absolute pleasure oh, and congratulations on your new posting at thank you. Uh, University of Western Australia yes uh, you'll be trading Tamar Valley Reds for uh, Margaret Rivers I guess so well done yes. yeah. and,
1: and chilly winters for, for not very cold winters
0: oh, well that's right that's yeah. right so the, the winter rain over there isn't it for the wheat so that's good right. luck yeah. with that <laughs> absolute pleasure thank, thank you sir. very
1: much you. Mm-hmm.